Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's a small world. Yes, indeed, it is a small world. And we've been talking about myself and Louise for quite some time now. Do you know when you're away traveling or on holidays and you bump into someone out of the blue that you know or you meet someone with a connection to where you live? You know what I'm talking about? You know, Louise, we've been chatting about this, haven't we? You yeah, and I and loads of times. Uh, Tell them about you. You went to Australia for a year and tell them the story. Go on, tell them that we. I was in Sydney at the time and I was doing telesales, as you do when you're backpacking. And um, I rang the, I got in charge of this, I can't even remember what I was selling, but this guy was in charge of the buy-in for a huge firm in Brisbane, I think. And he came on with the booming Australian accent. And he said, I know from your accent you're Irish. Whereabouts are you from? And I said, about 30 miles north of Dublin. And he said, is that near Navin or Trim? And I said, yeah, Navin. And he said, what's your surname? So I said, Walsh. And he said, hmm, yeah, to Robbie or Colm. And I said, Jane. Now, at this time, my father was probably in his 70s, mid 70s. Yeah. Mm. And um, I said, uh, yeah, my dad's name is Colm and my uncle is Robbie. And <laughs> he said, tell them I said hello. He said, I'm from, I used to play football with your father. I'm from the Commons Road in Navin. And I emigrated over here when I was 17 and I've never been back. Ah. So after 60 years, he was still kind of looking for connections. Isn't that just fantastic? Mm. And a little addendum, when you you mentioned it to your dad that you'd uh, been in touch with this. Well, tell them what your father said. Gosh, my father's very sentimental altogether. Um, it wasn't, we had no phone at home, so I had to yeah. my aunts to go over for my mother. So my mother got home and she said to him, she says, ah, blah, blah, I can't remember the chap's name. And uh, Louise met him or whatever. And he said, hmm. Never played football with him. I played football again. Him. And that was it. There was no how's he doing or anything like that. That was it. I love that. I love that little addition. Well, one that comes to my mind uh, that sums up that it is a small world. It's a few years back. I was in New York and at Radio City Music Hall Christmas time to see the Rockettes Christmas show. Now, in New York, it's a family tradition that people go to see that show every year. They don't change it much, Louise. It's the long-legged dancers and Santa Claus and all that type of thing. But I tell you, if you ever go at Christmas time, go and see it, folks. It's fantastic. The Rockettes Christmas show in Radio City Music Hall. Anyway, 
Myself, uh, Miriam and Sarah were over there for the Christmas and, uh, well, not for the entire Christmas, but ahead of Christmas. And we went into Radio City Music Hall. Oh, absolutely beautiful. And we got made way to our seats and we were chatting. And as we were chatting, a lady sitting directly in front of us turned around like you and said, that's an Irish accent. Mm. And I said, it is. She says, where are you from? And I said, from Drogheda. Oh, she says, yeah, I'm from Ireland, uh, but not Drogheda, a good bit away from Drogheda. I said, where are you from? Tipperary. And she says, I'm here with my daughter and granddaughter and we come to this show. It's a tradition to come and see it. I said, oh, lovely, Tipperary. Um, She says, do you know anyone down that neck of the woods? Well, at... Prior to that, I was secretary of Drogheda District Anglers Club and uh, I used to deal with a man called Donal Golden, who was the superintendent on the fish farm in Ross Cray, where we bought our rainbow trout from to stock the reservoirs okay. here, right? And I had a lot of dealings with Donal Golden. And I, I said to her, Tipperary, I said, what's your name? And she says, Ina Golden. No way. And I said, I know a Donal Golden from Ross Cray. She says he's me brother. <laughs> she didn't say it in that way, though, did she? <laughs> no, but I'm saying it in just the way he's my brother. Imagine, imagine the odds of yeah. sitting in the seats behind those people in New York and with that connection between us, mm-hmm. you know, through fishing and Donald Golden and his sister, Ina, in New York. It is a small world. Tiny. Oh, it's incredible. Have you have you a story like that, folks? Have, have you something like that that you'll tell us or let us know about today in the show? We'd love to hear from you. And we have been hearing from you on social media about this already overnight. And I'll read some of the messages you've sent to us. They're wonderful. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you have an incident of a small world where you came across somebody or made a connection with home when you were far away from home. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And with this in mind, I'm joined by somebody who knows all about travel. Actor come travel writer from Navin in County Mead, Donal O'Donoghue. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm really good. Have you... Come on, Louise has done it, I've done it. You must have a story, Donal. Come on. And you know, I'm just listening to you both there and you're saying it's a small world. And often I think it's more related to being Irish. I think, you know... All of us in Ireland have those experiences because we're an island, we're small, community is so central to our lives that we're always getting to know people, we're always chatting, much more so than a lot of other nationalities in the world. So I don't think it's a unique thing for us to have these stories. It might be different for Mm. an American, let's say, or someone from Britain. But for us, absolutely, we, we all have a story. I have one that dates back to when I was a teenager and I was interrailing. And that was a, a rite of passage for everyone, you know, who's around 17, 18, 19. And we put the backpack on us and off we'd go with no money in our pockets. And we would just travel around Europe on trains. And it, it was wonderful. You know, yeah. we didn't eat. We didn't, you know, have beds <laughs> to sleep in. But it was just an amazing time, you know, to learn. Because yes. before then, you know, any time I'd been on holiday, I was with my parents and, you know, they would have bought the food and whatnot. And all of a sudden they weren't there. So... Poverty was kind of, you know, uh, very much part of it all. Um, but we ended up in Berlin, um, maybe a week or two into our two-month stay in Europe. And, um, I, I, you know, we were tired and we were hungry. And one of the lads remembered that a girl from Navin had actually spent, you know, the last few months in Berlin. I think she was studying there. Susan O'Malley is her name. And we got this idea, well, wouldn't it be wonderful if we actually could get in contact 
with Susan. Mm. Um, you know, not only just to see her, so it's lovely to see friends and people that you know when you're abroad, but also mm. because we couldn't maybe sleep on her couch or her floor, have warmth, <laughs> maybe have a shower. Um, so we all have different um, versions of what happened next. And um, we couldn't basically call home to Ireland uh, for I don't. My understanding was that we forgot that you had to add a prefix when you were calling home, the 00353. <laughs> One of the other lads says it was related to the general riots which were happening that day and that all kind of phones outside mainland Europe were were broken or something. One of the other lads says that the actual phone itself was broken. Anyway, but whatever the reason was, we couldn't get in contact with right. Ireland to find out where Suzanne, uh, Susan lived or what her address was. This is before social media, where mm. you couldn't just ping them a DM. So we were quite defeated because we thought that this was just, you know, this wonderful idea. And so we said, well, you know what, let's put our faith in the universe that something will happen, you know, that whatever, that, you know, it can work out the way it's supposed to work out. Mm. So the train station that we were in at the time was quite close to the Berlin Wall. So we said, look, why don't we have a look at the Berlin Wall while we're here and, we'll, you know, as I say, we'll allow the universe to do its magic. So we walked out of the train station. Now, bear in mind, Berlin has millions of people. Mm. Who was the first person we saw as we emerged from the train station? Never. Susan Amal. <laughs> there she was, walking by. <laughs> and she got a shock, I could tell you, when she just heard five loud, navin voices going, Susan, Susan, Susan. And, oh, and we spent the next three or four days um, hanging out with her. As I say, having showers is something that was alien to us at that stage and, you know, a nice couch to sleep on. So um, so it, do, it does happen when you're... Tra- I think magic happens. One of the wonderful things about travel, magic just happens. And that was just one example of a trip. Oh, brilliant, Donald. What a fantastic story. Ah, it's great to hear that. The way you came upon a wonderful, wonderful... Now, you are... Uh, doing a lot in this whole area of travel writing and you're an extensively travelled man as well but just looking at an article you did in recent times about the road less travelled travelling solo you say doesn't mean travelling alone what do you mean by that Donald? Well I I think one of the best parts about travelling alone is that it encourages you to meet people whether it's people that you know from home you know by serendipitous reasons or new people often when we travel with you know our friends our family we can stay within our group but when we're alone it kind of forces us out of our comfort zone it forces us to to meet other people and to chat and uh, I've loads of experiences of when I've happily gone on trips on my own and I've made lifelong friends. There was one other trip actually the year after that story of interrailing where I went to Nice alone. Now, I wasn't supposed to go alone. A friend was supposed to, to meet me there, but between the jig and the reel, she was delayed. So I ended up being in Nice for two weeks on my own. And, uh, and I was a little bit, you know, you have those moments you know, with travel that, you know, you have wonderful times and you can have times where you're a bit homesick or you're hungry or whatever it is. And I had one of those moments when I arrived in Nice and I was kind of at a low ebb. And then I just heard this booming Irish voice. And it turned out it was this girl from Kilkenny. And I just walked straight to her and I said, I'm sorry, you don't know who I am, <laughs> but I just need to be around an Irish person for the next few minutes. Is that okay if I just chat to you? Mm. So not only did we chat that evening, we ended up actually renting a little apartment together. And fast forward eight years later, and I was her bridesman at her wedding. And we've been as thick as thieves wow. ever since. 
Isn't so that something else? It's just, it's just, it's just an example of you yeah. know these lifelong friendships that you can create yeah. when you're when you're away on on the road, and, and because obviously you know when you are at home, you know aside from travelling, when you're at home, you very much stick to your own community. You stick mm. to kind of people who you know, whether it's your friends or your colleagues or your family. So that's why when you travel alone, it's always lovely that you just get these opportunities to to meet new people and mm. welcome them into your life. Well, Donal, I, I can tell you that last, uh, late last September, we took a last minute holiday, myself and my wife, with the uh, travel department um, to Venice. Yes. And ah. uh, I, ca- I couldn't believe uh, in the group that we're staying in, in the hotel we were staying in, there were four people who were on their own. And I got talking to some of them and they do it all the time and they make new friends. Oh, my God. Have you heard their stories? And they love yes. it. They love it, Donald. That's it. And, you know, of course, there's a difference between a guy travelling alone and a woman travelling alone. And, you know, for that article that you're talking about, I did interview some solo travellers who were female. And, you know, they would talk about the pros and cons. And obviously, safety is a huge, huge issue. And that is why, you know, companies like the travel department, they're fantastic because they do offer you that that safety, you know, of being in a group and having an itinerary and, you know, and you meet new people, you know, along the way, whether it's, you know, in the hotel or on the bus or whatever it is. Um, but there is so many benefits to, to travelling alone. And the people that I've talked to, you know, they might be nervous initially, you know, mm. particularly if they're a little bit older in life, because, you know, when you're young, you're just full of enthusiasm and confidence and you do lots of things. Then when you get older, not so much. So that's why, you know, it can be a bit of a, a challenge to kind of embrace solo travelling. But I think as soon as you do, there's no turning back. Mm. Well, yeah, it's just, and I, I was reading a brilliant uh, piece about it, Dole, may I say, uh, in Woman's Way. And, and the, the thing about it is, you do focus on that, about women and that. But you just have to be a little bit more aware, careful and uh, have your wits about you. That's it. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and get advice. And, um, you know, there was one tip, one of uh, my friends who I met in Pittsburgh this year, that she told me, you know, she's, she's single, but she would always wear a wedding ring, for mm. example. And that was just a way to kind of keep unwanted attention away from her. Um, and, and just, you know, it was really interesting listening to her because as a, as a man, I didn't, you know, often have to kind of contemplate these issues, these safety issues the way a woman would. So, you know, I think communication is, is key, you know, always updating whether it's, you know, a family member at home or a friend or whoever it is, just to always ensure that, that you are safe. Mm. And, you know, and just that old-fashioned cop-on sometimes as well. Um, but, you know, it's definitely something that I think uh, is so rewarding in the long run. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think, and I think as well because I have friends who would love to travel, and they often say to me, "Oh, yeah, I'd love to go, but I've no one to go with." And mm. as a result, they never travel, and that's such a shame, I think, because travel is one of the greatest gifts that we have, particularly in this day and age, mm. you know, post-pandemic, when we can travel so freely now, and uh, and that's why I'm always encouraging people to do it. And you know, as I say, if they do feel, "Oh, I don't want to do this alone," alone than organisations like the Travel Department, who you mentioned earlier on. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic way to have that security, but also to have, um, you know, opportunities to meet new people. A couple of minutes, we have more to chat. Is the day of the street map over? Do you you know, I... 
well, back in the day, because I was in Scouts for years, and I, I, can, I know my way around a map very, very well. Um, and I even remember, you know, going abroad to places like France with my parents as a child, and the map that we used to get from Key Camp or whoever it was, and, you know, spreading it out in the bonnet of the car and analysing yes. it. And, and, and there was wonderful excitement in that. You know, as a child, that, that was great. But... God, I can't think of the day when I actually used an actual map because obviously think, you know, apps like Google Maps are so wonderful. But I will also say as well, you know, the other side of something like Google Maps, I think Google Maps is responsible for almost all divorces in this world <laughs> because, you know, the thing with, with Google Maps, and I've kind of done a bit of investigation in this, um, Ireland is, has one of the most extensive road networks in the world, would you mm. believe it? But the reality is a lot of those roads aren't fit for purpose. They're no longer fit for purpose. A lot of them are there, you know, for for farmers, for example. You know, there could be little laneways. But Google don't recognise the fact that, you know, sometimes there's a difference between a little boherine and a motorway. And it might tell you to go the nearest exit left. And that exit left could be a little boherine full of potholes and, you know, dark and windy. Whereas if it encouraged you just to hang on another couple of minutes, you could have a lovely motorway. So that's the other aspect of Google Maps. You know, yeah. you do actually have to do a little bit of research yes. as well because there's a big difference between roads. And if you want to keep, you know, things nice and cool in the car, do a little bit of, you know, homework as well because Absolutely. I can tell you <laughs> I have experiences of <laughs> roaring and shouting at my partner and, and vice versa because we've ended up down little boherine like There's that. good advice for everybody. Donald, great to talk to you today. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Thank you for your small world stories. Jenny Duffy was in Melbourne 2007 in a youth hostel and she was making food in the kitchen when she overheard a Dundalk accent. So she asked the girl where in Dundalk she was from and she said the Dublin road across from Ian's. I said, do you know Jerry McCabe? As he was the only one I knew living round there. Her answer was, that's my brother. She went on to tell me she was only over in Melbourne for a few days as she lived in New Zealand. Come on, what a the odds of that definitely a small world and Jerry we miss him always R.I.P. says Jenny Duffy I love that story keep them coming to me 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets us on the show this afternoon coming up after two on late lunch growing meat in labs instead of farming beef on the land we're talking about it on the show another message there coming in for you on uh, the uh, small world team to me on the small world team I was in Jersey for 12 years 97 to to 2008 I never met anyone uh, from home until 2000 when a couple of neighbours walked into the bar I was working in Uh, it was like is it them I wasn't sure I looked at them I uh, danced around them and then I went and spoke to them only to find out it was them my neighbours and they were there for a week I arranged to meet up with them before they went back a great night was had by all thanks indeed for your small world story not a small world for these guys they've been all over the planet and are always yes it's you too and the sweetest thing on your late lunch this Friday afternoon Jane's been on. We were talking to Donald O'Donoghue, top of the show, about travel and 
uh, serendipity where you meet somebody from your area or make contact with somebody from the locality when you're away from home. And he went on to talk about solo travel. Jane says, as a mature lady, she travels extensively around the world. She's met some lovely people and has enjoyed it immensely. She really enjoyed Donal O'Donoghue's uh, conversation. Thank you. And she wants to say that another way of travelling around the world solo is to do voluntary work. You get to go to some fantastic places and meet a variety of people. Thanks indeed for that comment. On meeting people out of the blue, my niece Jerry was living in Australia. One day she took a bus somewhere and by chance she sat beside another Irish girl. They started chatting. Turned out they were cousins. The girl's grandfather and my mother were brother and sister. They were second cousins. Isn't that amazing? Another one there is working in a fast food restaurant with a girl for about eight months. One day she rings me and says, do you know something? We're cousins. Those things happen. These things happen. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You'll need that number now because, you see, we're going to do this. Have a listen. Great! I love TV. We watch TV? TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV. Yes, that's our TV theme this Friday. Do you know it? I absolutely love it. Have since I was a child. And it's back tomorrow night. Little clue. It's only time, says the Food Safety Authority of Ireland, before uh, they're going to receive an application for lab-grown meat. Joining me now to talk about this is the FSAI Chief Specialist in Food Science and Technology, Dr. Pat O'Mahony. Good afternoon, Pat. Good afternoon, Jerry. That's a huge statement to say that you're anticipating this imminently. Why? Is... uh, uh, meat being growing, uh, is it growing at the moment in labs elsewhere around the world? Yes, indeed. Uh, we've been watching this uh, from afar in the last four or five years as the technology was advancing. Uh, in 2020, Singapore put a product on the market. It's a, a kind of a synthetic chicken, you could call it. There's lots of names for them, lab-based, cultivated, etc. So they've had it on the market for the last three years. Uh, the US have authorised two chicken products uh, just earlier this year. Uh, The UK have an application in for a kind of a synthetic beef from an Israeli company, and Switzerland also received an application. And I'm aware of at least one application that's being readied uh, in the UK for the European Union. So the applications are coming. Uh, Now, whether they receive authorization or not from the EU, uh, you know, remains to be seen. I can't see why they wouldn't if they're already allowed on other markets. Uh, so, yes, I would say it, it might be a big statement, but it's probably true. Uh, these products are coming our way. The European Food Safety Authority will look at this. Will you and Ireland be led by their decision? Uh, yeah, the, the process is fairly well laid out. We get you know more than 100 different novel food applications every year, uh, ranging from plant and animal oils to insects and, and God knows what. So this would just be another one that they have to... So the European Food Safety Authority are charged with, um, I suppose, delivering an opinion on the safety of these products. We can agree with them, we can object to them, etc., etc. We can have discussions at at working group level in in Brussels where we either agree or disagree with uh, 
the European Food Safety Authority. But then it's up to policymakers. So in our case, it's the Department of Health. When it comes to a vote uh, at EU level, if uh, the, the opinion by EFSA is positive, the Commission will draw up uh, an authorisation um, article. And uh, if member states agree by qualified majority, then that will be that. Now, we'll have our say uh, before that on technical grounds, but uh, it will be our colleagues in the Department of Health with advice from us if they require um, that will vote uh, yes or no on the authorisation. You say, and you're quoted as uh, saying, it won't be nutritionally detrimental. Uh, that's on, on one aspect of it, but it shall be different. What do you mean it'll be different? Is it in texture, taste, what? I I would say both of those and, and possibly more. I mean, if you think about it, what we're used to taking a slice of bacon, a slice of beef, a slice of chicken or a chicken wing, whatever, you know, we're well used to our, the, the texture, the flavour, the taste, etc. of those now, you can do all the science you like. I don't think you can replicate those 100% in, in the lab. These will be cells that are grown in large 1,000-litre vats, uh, and then the, the cellular material will be taken from that and fashioned into a steak or a burger or a chicken nugget or whatever you like. They're probably, you know, they won't be nutritionally disadvantageous, shall we say. So you will get uh, all the nutrients uh, maybe not in the same proportions and quantities as you would in a steak or a, a chop, but you'll have plenty of nutritional um, aspects in there, the same as regular meat. But um, I don't think you can replicate um, you know, nature 100%. So it'll be a, a good effort, I'd imagine. I haven't tasted any of these. They're on the market in a few countries at, at the moment. Uh, so you know, I suppose the, the ultimate choice will be made by consumers if they like it. It will make it if they don't like them for whatever reason, taste or flavour or even the the thought of it, uh, then, you know, commercially they won't succeed. Ah, you've uh, stumped me there. I was going to ask you, had you tasted it yourself, but you haven't. And so we're talking about chicken and uh, meat here, all all forms of meat. Yes. And the the first few products on the market are chicken. And I was wondering to myself why chicken. But when I thought about it um, and I don't know the, you know, the, the technical details, Chicken meat is white, so you don't have to worry about the, the blood red colour as such. Mm. Now, the application that's gone into the UK is for a beef-type product. So, obviously, there, uh, you know, this science is still in its infancy. So, how you get around making a product red uh, colour, uh, obviously, there won't be blood in there. Uh, that I, I presume they've gotten around that. So, it'll be interesting when we do get the dossiers to see the science behind all that. Uh, so... I, you know, we'll have to, to wait and see what comes to us first. It's going to cause quite a stir in this country, considering we are major beef producers and our beef is highly regarded around the world, uh, produced on our green grass and farms here in Ireland. And I see already there have been some people out from an agricultural perspective saying, look, this is just going to create more waste when it comes to food. Yes, uh, you'll, you'll hear different narratives uh, for the time being. We, you know, we've heard it with the, the insect foods. There are four insects that are authorised novel foods in Europe, and we heard arguments in favour and arguments against, and already we can hear both sides of the story here with these uh, synthetic meats, shall we call them. You know, on the, on the environmental side, it's less greenhouse gases, less animal waste, etc., etc., and then on the other side, uh, you know, more uh, expensive uh, energy requirements and nutritional requirements to grow this stuff. Uh, somewhere in between uh, will be the truth, I'd imagine. But ultimately, the consumer will decide whether these have a commercial success or not.
Just looking at the stats, it's amazing, isn't it? This has been going on since the early 2000s. In 2003, I just see in a report, it cost $350,000 or €318,000 to produce a lab-grown hamburger. One hamburger back then. Today, it's $9 or €8. Well, now... That's uh, that's uh, something that can be made to work at that. If you just look at the price alone, yeah, mind you, uh, when I heard that stat first, I thought that's still a rather expensive hamburger. But you know, <laughs> yeah. if, it can come, if it can come down that much in, in twenty years, I'm sure they'll they'll keep working on it. Yes, and the, te- the technology has moved uh, at a rapid pace, so I can see it'll come down to to regular prices. But uh, there's a lot of science to be done on it yet. I think. Mm, it's uh, one that will challenge for sure in this country but you believe you'll have an application perhaps next year 2024 from somebody who wants to go down this road yes I was speaking with a consultant in the UK just uh, last week and he's preparing a a dossier for the EU he didn't say when uh, it would be ready but I'd imagine uh, it won't be this year but probably next year and they'll also probably see how the dossier goes in the UK and in Switzerland and uh, there'll be, I was learning from any mistakes in there. And then when it comes in, so let's say it comes in January 1st in 2024, it's going to be a good year and a half to two years before the whole process plays out, uh, before a vote comes. To, um, so it, it won't be for another couple of years uh, that it would be on our tables if, if it does make it on our tables. There you go. Watch this space. Oh, my God, I can just uh, see the furore and hear it and watch it. That's going to happen around this. But it is a reality elsewhere in the world. And uh, as you were saying there, Pat, it's only a matter of time before we have to deal with it in one guise or the other. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You're welcome. Take care. That's Dr. Pat O'Mahony there from the Food Safety Authority of Ireland, Chief Specialist in Food Science and Technology. What do you think, Louise? What do you think? A burger made in a lab or a piece of chicken or lamb or ham? Does it tickle your fancy? Does it tickle anybody's fancy? Well, that's, think? that's the question we, I think we should ask listeners today. Does it? You know what I mean? Is it something that... It's like anything new, isn't it? I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe 30 years time you could ask that question and people would just laugh at you and go... Well, yeah, we true. eat it every day, like. Yeah, true. That, that Yeah, it is, it is. you know, it's here and it's happening and it is a science and it is the future. And there are many benefits to it, too. You know what I mean? There's the less emissions. I know that's mm-hmm. an issue, big thing for everybody at the moment all over the world with global warming and climate, etc. But I wonder, mm-hmm. you know what I'd like to do? A lot of additives, though, would it not? Well, we'll the find that out for chemicals. sure. Yeah, yeah well... well Let's see what happens there as well. But I'd love to taste it. You know what I mean? That's what I said. I thought Pat might have. I'd love to talk to somebody who's tasted mm. uh, manufactured chicken in the lab and see what they think. It'd have to be a little different. It would, wouldn't it? It had to be, yeah. But sure, if you had... Uh, Loads of tomato ketchup. If you, <laughs> correct, correct. And I was going to say, sure, if you, if you have it in a, a bit of batter deep fried and you have sauce <laughs> to dip it in, well, who knows what. Watch this face. Can, I, you know yourself... My, you see the row looming about this. Yeah. Oh my God, oh, yeah. this is this is going to be another big one down the road for sure. But it needs it needs a bit of discussion. It definitely does. It does, doesn't it? It does. And ah, debate. There's no doubt about that. Just brought in. Yeah.
Uh, the, the the small world ones are lovely Louise look mm. at that one there uh, I was in holidays in Tenerife about 20 years ago the children were playing around wearing Meath jerseys with the mam looking after them and a couple started chatting to her about being from Meath and what part she was from and they said actually we have uh, we have relations in Meath you know the Bolands and my wife pointed up to the balcony it's Ollie Boland there he is up there he's <laughs> a Boland <laughs> they were cousins <laughs> cousins from Leash cousins from Meath and met abroad on holidays and that a wonderful Brilliant. one there um, uh, Ruth O'Reilly in 2007 I landed in Sydney got sorted at a hotel and went down the street to an internet cafe paid for half an hour long on my Bebo do you remember Bebo Louise Bebo, yeah. sat down and my first crush was sitting right mm-hmm. beside me hadn't seen him in about seven years didn't know he was even in Australia I got up walked out with the shock and he ran up the street in Koji after me to Coogee. go for a beer Koji is Coogee. it Koji oh, you, you know he sees you I live there you, oh did you mm-hmm. It's a good woman yourself. Um, another one there coming in. I wonder in what us. happened. She never said they went for a drink and well, she, did, she <clears> has <throat> to tell us what happened. Um, after the watershed, that's okay. Yes, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get a little inside story on that. Shirley Murphy was in Florida in September 1981 and met my neighbour, Betty McGovern, who was on her honeymoon. I was also in Melbourne in September 2004 and met another neighbour, Robert McKenna. We grew up on the same street. It is, Jerry, a very, very small world. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. It is indeed. Keep them coming to us. Your vacations, Philomena Martin says, went to Banbridge, Jerry, recently. Love the shopping then on to Game of Thrones and back to Banbridge for the cinema wonderful day out thank you Philomena you're in the hat and Mary Dowling from Honest to Boys had a great day out recently with our two grandchildren they took the train sorry that's what I was mixed up from Drogheda to Malahide walked to Malahide Castle had our packed lunch there we took the little red train round the village and back to the castle we visited the butterfly house and saw all the beautiful butterflies then we walked all around the fairy garden there's a playground there as well it's wonderful. We had such a wonderful day. Train home. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm all tired out after a wonderful day had by all, says Mary Dowling there. And there's another one there for me. Our best day out lately was the air display in Bray. It was the first time ever to see it. Truly enjoyed by all of us children. Uh, we were more than delighted to spend the day Truly delight, 
truly enjoyed by all of us and the children and delighted to spend the day with their granddad. He'd been in and out of hospital, so it was treasured with memories, with the fun fair and food afterwards. That comes in from Caroline. Love it. You're in too. You're going into the hat for the draw for the 150 euro one for all voucher. Compliments of Falch Ireland a little bit later on in the show. But at this time, on Friday afternoon, let's have an owl laugh. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. I honestly hope they never remake it. Leave it as it is. Leave us with the wonderful laughs and memories. Yes, it's Faulty Towers and Basil trying to deal with a difficult customer. Good morning, madam. Can I help you? Are you the manager? I am the owner, madam. What? I am the owner. I want to speak to the manager. I am the manager, too. What? I am the manager as well. Manager, he <laughs> You're what? I'm the manager. What? I'm the manager. Yes, I know. You've just told me. What's the matter with you? Now, listen to me. I booked a room with a bath. When I book a room with a bath, I expect to get a bath. You've got a bath. I'm not paying £7.20 per night plus VAT for a room without a bath. Where is your bath? You call that a bath? It's not big enough to drown a mouse. It's disgraceful. I wish you were a mouse. And another thing. I asked for a room with a view. Deaf, mad and blind. Uh, This is the view as far as I can remember, madam. Yes, yes, this is it. When I pay for a view, I expect something more interesting than that. That is Torquay, madam. That's not good enough. Well, may I ask what you were expecting to see out of a Torquay hotel bedroom window? Sydney Opera House, perhaps? The hanging gardens of Babylon? Herds of wildebeest sweeping majestically? I expect to be able to see the sea. You can see the sea. It's over there between the land and the sky. I need a telescope to see that. Well, may I suggest that you consider moving to a hotel closer to the sea? Or preferably in it. Now, listen to me. I'm not satisfied, but I've decided to stay here. However, I shall expect a reduction. Why? Because Krakatoa's not erupting at the moment? Or? Because the room is cold, the bath is too small, the view is invisible, and the radio doesn't work. No, the radio works. You don't. What? <laughs> See if I can fix it, you scabby old bastard. <laughs> I think we got something then. What? I think we got something then. What are you doing? Madam, <laughs> don't think me rude, but may I ask, do you by any chance have a hearing aid? A what? A hearing aid! Yes, I do have a hearing aid. Would you like me to get it mended? Mended? <laughs> it's working perfectly all right. No, it isn't. I haven't got it turned on at the moment. Why not? The battery runs down. <laughs> now, what sort of a reduction are you going to give me on this room? 60% if you turn it on. What? My wife handles all such matters. I'm sure she will be delighted to discuss it with you. I shall speak to her after lunch. You heard that all right, didn't you? What? <laughs> Thank you so much. A lunch will be served at half past 12. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, you just can't better it, can you? Faulty Towers there. The lady with the hearing aid, difficult customer, and Basil giving it his best. Your comedy on late lunch this Friday afternoon. Coming up after 2.30 on the show, will you dip in the nip for oncology and necrit this year? Yes, we're meeting some dippers. Anyway, let's move on on late lunch this afternoon and talk about something that's very dear to my heart because I've been with them from the start. And this year is very important. Yes, Dip in the Nip 2023 is happening on Sunday, September the 10th. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today, Theresa Smith, June Morgan and Karen Healy. Welcome, ladies, to the show. Great to see you all. Thanks, Hi, Jerry. They're all nervous. Well, Karen isn't, but the answer is, no, we've never been. How could you be nervous when you've dipped in the nip in the past? You shouldn't have any nerves. It's all girls, to be honest with you. Karen, welcome back to the show. How many years is this now? Um, we're ter- Technically 12, but we're only 11 dips. We kind of missed one because of the mm. of the old COVID. But yes. um, that's what we're at. It's fantastic. Last year, it's fair to say, the numbers hit round about 300. The biggest ever. Uh, massive. Massive last year. Couldn't believe it, the turnout. So we're trying to beat 300 in terms of we dippers are. this year. We are. And that's why you're so kind to have us in, because we're just trying to give that last nudge to a few women at home who are thinking about it, sitting on the fence and afraid to actually do it. And of course, by inviting in our learned girls who've done it before, <laughs> um, they're going to try and do the encouragement there. And we're going to try and get over that 300. We're sitting at the moment at about 260. Yes. So we've a bit more to go. Come on. We're going to get over 300 for sure this year. And just context it. How much money was raised last year by dipping the Nip? It's a staggering amount. Um, it's almost 67,000 euros wow like that's that's and that's not sponsorship money from me getting sponsored from anybody because the sponsor money I get from people companies who are amazing goes to pay all the expenses that we'd have mm. like we have as you know the breakfast on the beach it comes from Rumbles and Barry McHugh everybody comes as the girls know get a beautiful breakfast City North Hotel provide everything for free up there for us they don't charge us for anything mm. Matthew's bus like I could just go on and on and on I even hate mentioning people because you always forget somebody that when you're talking about them but like people are just incredible I mean you talk look at Suzanne Collins we wouldn't have the magnificent photographs that we have yes, like she's, she's incredible yeah. and even Martin Connolly who follows you around when you're doing all those wonderful yes. interviews um, like Martin has cried on so many occasions mm. when he's doing that it's just such an emotional morning it's Oh, it just pulls at your heartstrings. Yeah. And there's some great stories, as the girls know, and there's some sad ones. But like when all those women get together, there's no sad story. There's just women. Mm. And you hear it, Jerry, because you're there. Mm. Like mm. the excitement and the buzz. And yes, there's tears, but they're good tears as well. Like mm. it's just it's it's, incredible. It's terrific. Money. And this money, it's all going. Just remind us again where the money goes that's raised to support. So the money goes to support the Northeastern College Unit, which is based in the Lourdes Hospital. Um, and it's not for the running of the hospital in case people think it might be and might get offended that the HSE should be supplying it's to facilitate uh, the patients that are in there to make them more comfortable maybe to buy some chairs maybe to get some laptops anything like that to keep make their journey better it's to facilitate um, the nurses who have to be educated in any new treatments that come out if they don't get that education they can't provide the treatments in the unit so they have to privately get that covered for cost which we pay for and then there's the uh, research itself which Brian Hennessy heads in the oncology unit and that's like incredible like we all know people that have had cancer that was not curable 5 or 10 or 15 years ago that is in the early stages of being cured now and that's down to research and if you have no research you've got nothing you've got nothing is right oh and the money if you add together all the money over the years it's just ginormous all together but it shows you uh, the generosity of people towards this every single year let me bring in June Morgan to have a chat with me hi June Hi, Jerry. It's great to have you with me on the show. When did you dip first? What year? My first dip was uh, 2016. 
and I was only ever doing one. Why did you do the first one? The first one was, um, it was a sad story, a family member. Um, I was present in the room and the girl was dying. Uh, through marriage, she was a cousin. Yeah. And I felt I shouldn't be there because it was our family in the room. And I said it, I shouldn't be here. And they said, no, she'd want you here. And that girl was 43 a couple of days before she passed away. She left four children. Her eldest was doing his junior cert. Her youngest was making her first communion that year. And um, Anne got it very hard to leave this world. And I vowed then, I didn't know what I was doing. I vowed then that I was going to do something for cancer. And um, then it materialised. And it was a couple of years later. I was listening to a blog from a girl down the country, D. And she had a blog, and I won't say the name because it's a rude name. <laughs> and um, she was doing a dip in the nip. And I said, I'll do that. And it was in Wexford. And I happened to be talking to a very good friend of mine, Gay Woods. You don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so much money for cancer in the past. Yeah, she has. Yeah. Gay was doing the dip in the nip. And I said, oh, next week, is it? And she said, no, no, not till September. And I said, tell me more. So uh, I said, you're not doing it on your own. I'm doing it with you. Hmm. So from that, and Gay did a few more um, dips and we always went together and supported each other. And when I found out that the money was actually staying in the town, that really egged me on, you know. And then we had a women's group, um, Aqua Aerobics Group. We originally went to Aura here beside you and um, a social group was formed from the aqua aerobics group and uh, Vivian Phelan was the founder of this social group, an amazing lady. Mm. But in 2021, Vivian was diagnosed with lung cancer and she got her treatment and they were very positive and it was very successful. And Vivian used the oncology here in Drogheda and had the utmost praise and she wanted to do things. So I said, look to the ladies, I told them we're doing the dip in the nip this year and only a death certificate is all I'll (laughs) accept for you not to do it. So they were all laughing at him. Once it was for Vivian. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Vivian wasn't well in the day, but she was there. Yes, she was. Uh, she yeah, was there. That was last year. That was last year. Yeah. But Vivian passed away on the eighth of January. Oh. She left us. She wasn't supposed to leave us, and she. But she'll be with us on the tenth. I can feel she, it. She. It's yeah. a memorial. It's in her memory. Yeah. We're doing it this year, mm. and uh, she's always with us. I feel mm. she's always there. Yeah. So she you, was one one brilliantly. Yes. Uh, uh, you know she. She gave it her all. She certainly she did. And really you're did. all going to give it your all for yes. her, I know, in return. What yes. do you call yourselves? You have a name on this. Last group. year, we were the Recycled Teenagers. <laughs> now, hold on. Hold on. There's, there's liberties and there's liberties. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I photo of evidence. <laughs> Everything was recycled. Yes. And a fabulous lady in the group, Maureen Trainer from Laytown, made all the hats and put... Uh, everything was recycled and she was tirelessly working away on this behind the scenes and I can't give her enough recognition 
because she's one amazing lady mm. and it's a labour of love, as she said. Yeah. This year, um, the name isn't decided, but this weekend, but it, the theme is kind of on the uh, culinary end. We won't okay. say too Don't much. Don't say too much. No, keep, yeah. it, keep it a secret for the day. Yeah. Dip in the Nip 2023 is happening on the 10th of September at a beach here in the North East. Not to be revealed, but a lot will be revealed, but it's all in a wonderful, wonderful cost. She's waiting patiently to have a word with me. Theresa Smith, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for joining me on the show. Will you tell our listeners your story? How are you associated with this? Um, I started off first uh, when my mum was in oncology and as a volunteer, not, not doing the dip, just a volunteer. And then my sister-in-law got cancer and she wanted to do the dip. So we did it a couple of years ago. And uh, then I went back last year to do it just because she'd passed away. But it's it's exciting. It's very, all the costumes, everything, everyone wear it's to come all dressed all fancy and you think oh I'll wear something like that and then you forget about them but it's something you, you have to do it's something everyone I know they think oh I wouldn't do it but if they should experience it, it's very very good and don't be afraid to come on your own because I know your friends some friends won't come but there's lots and lots of people will let you join in any group at all you can just come on the day with other girls that everyone welcomes everyone it's really very yeah. Exciting. And what happens is, I know this, yeah. people have come on their own and they make friendships forever really yes, through yeah. this, don't it, they? It is. They really yeah. do. Yeah. You touched on something that is very important for women listeners today, and this is a women's only event. You know, people are a bit, you know, oh no, I, I yep. couldn't do that. What do you know? Yeah, but... Um, sometimes I think it's easier because someone close to you has cancer and then you want to do it. But everyone knows someone that has cancer at some time and... If it's just a bucket list or it's one thing, just try it once. They will come back if they try it once. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, this year I'm volunteering. I'm not dipping this year, okay. but next year I'm going to dip again. Good one. So woman. all my friends yeah. better be ready next year. <laughs> <laughs> but, but volunteers are important as well yeah, to keep yeah. the show on the road with this whole event because it's getting bigger. Yeah, almost 300 last year. It's going to be bigger again this year. Empowering is a word I hear women saying all the time as they come back. Can you yeah. vouch for that? Empowering, yes, empowerment. And... No one, no one cares who's beside you, who's you're just running down to the water. Nobody sees anyone else only straight ahead where you're going. Mm, It's it's definitely it's it's very it's something everyone should do. Definitely. Same for you, June. That that feeling, that feeling. Explain that, you know, when you Um, because of what you're doing and everything, you can't explain it until you do it. Because I had a lot of women last year in the group and it was their first time and they said, you're right, you must experience it. Yeah. Because, no, let's face it, none of us like our bodies. No. We all have something wrong with us and we're saying, I don't like this. And then, oh no, I'm too fat. I'm too this, I'm too that. We all have that hang up. But uh, to actually do it and experience it, what the bloody hell was I wor- worried about? Yeah. You know, that's exactly. It. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And the late some of them ladies were in their 70s yes. and they said, 
Oh, put me down for next year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, put me down for next year. <laughs> and the stories that you yeah. hear when you go there, yeah. you know, yes. that's yourself, Teresa. Yeah. You know? And even then, the tree that's there, you oh, can write the memory little, tree. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so oh, special. And yeah. Karen, Karen, just on the break there, folks, Karen took out the phone and was showing us. Tell them about that picture you took oh. last year. It's like, we actually have a new Instagram page this year. We, we had a problem with access to the last one, so we've created a new Instagram page, so I need people to really, really follow it. So we're trying to get it out there as much as we can. But on that, I just posted a picture from last year and it was the dawn on the morning, if anybody sees it. And if anybody's into orbs, I don't know if they are or not, but I certainly am. There's a beautiful flower arch, um, a balloon arch that Sam Thornton gave us for the day. And underneath that arch in the photograph, there's a massive big green orb. Like it's massive. The girls will tell you, Jerry will tell you after seeing it. Yeah. There's no explanation for it. There was nothing in the grass. There was nothing there. It was just energy of all, I would say, past dippers. Don't get emotional now. That had that were with us. And it was dead in the middle of the arch where every girl was going to walk through down to that water. It was incredible. It's an amazing thing as you said it was just you were just taking a picture of the arch and the grass and here this thing appears in the pictures you know picked up by the camera yeah, when, when, when you took the picture yeah. an incredible thing a really incredible thing it's beautiful and I think it says an awful lot it says about so the much. energy the and energy. the spirit yeah. and everything that's round this whole thing is there anything to match when you know the countdown happens and they charge out into the sea the girls isn't it just it something is, to I, behold. I, it is something. And I will say, because I've already said it to him, we missed a big part last year because we didn't have Jerry there. Now, I know we yes. think Sam Plamosna when I say that, but he was missed. And unfortunately, our dates have clashed this year's ladies. And I don't have Jerry again. And oh, I'm going to miss him so much. So I'm on the hunt for somebody who's another Jerry, but I don't think he's possibly but out there. I'm going to tell but you this. I will be back next year, please. God. Oh, All thank God. Well, because <laughs> I, and we're going to coordinate these dates better. But I can, I can tell you that you sent me a message when I was away last year and I got talk about being stumped for words I'm not joking <laughs> well, they it were was, all true and it, from it the heart so, oh, you're so kind you're, and I, I really do appreciate them but look I, this is close to my heart and I'm sure it's close to the hearts of many people listening to us today as well who hasn't been touched who won't be touched in the future we, we, we just don't know I want to mention somebody who's not with us today and she's just the driving force of the unit of the research of Necret of this whole thing Liz Summersby Oh my God, what an incredible lady. Like everybody knows Liz. She's just, she is, I know maybe there might be some other nurses or medical team in the in the oncology might say, oh, what are you talking about? But I feel Liz Summersby mm. is an incredible, incredible person. She is, and I want to say hello to her today and wish her well, and she will be involved with the dip as the, the weeks move on. Now, how do people dip this year quickly okay so dip this year really really quickly uh, I'm not going to do all the information no. online because you'll forget it but if somebody forgets to look at your post because you'll put it up first it's Necret N-E-C-R-E-T that's N-E-C-R-E-T and that's the charity it goes through which is the oncology charity failing that they can just look up dip in the nip draw it they'll get it they'll get me Karen Healy we will get them if they're out there and they want to dip we'll get them come on doubt. beat the 300 this Jerry, year Jerry can I just say just one last thing is changing off here. Ladies, we love your boas. We love all the gear you come with, but we're going to try and be a little bit more friendly to the ocean and to the beach. And we spend hours picking up all the feathers from the boas. So if you could think of something else other than feathered boas and coloured sparkly pieces for your faces, we'd be delighted. Now, that's the final message today. Dip in the Nip 2023, September 10th, coming to a beach near you. All we need is you, ladies. Teresa Smith, June Morgan and Karen Healy. All the very best. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. It was good. Bye. The daycations. You've been sending me details, telling me about your wonderful daycations all around the place this week on Late Lunch. Everybody who was in touch with me 
has uh, gone into the hat and we've done the draw. Yes, we've just done it a few moments ago and the name that's popped out to win that €150 one-for-all voucher compliments of Falcher Ireland is... Fiona Kelly. Yes, her story about attending the Virginia show. She wins the voucher on late lunch this afternoon. Well done. Congratulations to you and keep an eye for more daycations coming up next week here on LMFM Radio. Let's have another listen to our famous TV theme. Yes, it is, of course, match of the day. And I chose it because it's timely. Match of the day is back tomorrow night. I'm watching it since I was a nipper and that music just makes me smile. I love the programme. I never, ever miss it. And the prize today is going to Natasha Donnelly in Dundalk. Well done to you. It's in the post this evening. And thank you to everybody who entered. So many of you familiar with that lovely tune. Uh, Hi, Jerry. Hope you're well. Read The Small World. A cousin on my mother's side was working for the summer on the gravy train in Sydney Zoo, telling passengers about the animals on the right and left. At the end of one of the journeys, a man came up to her and asked where she was from in Ireland. She's from a townland outside Abbey Leaks. She said she's from the Midlands. He pushed her further. She said outside Abbey Leaks. And the man asked if she knew Ballinakill outside Abbey Leaks. She did. And did she know the carols in Ballinakill? She did. And she explained they were first cousins of her cousin. It is a small world to be sure. Thanks indeed. There are more there as well. You're so kind. Thank you for sending them in to us. But we got to do this right now on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this very week in 1992. It was a massive hit round the world. Released in March 1992 by German Eurodance group called Snap. It was their second big number one. And it spent six weeks top of the UK singles chart. Yes, the number one from 1992 this week. It's Snap and Rhythm is a Dancer. Number two, from this week in 1992, Snap and Rhythm is a Dancer. You know how I love my fishing. I'm an angler, have been from I was a little fella. Well, Drogheda District Anglers are holding an Angling for Beginners, course angling for beginners, on Rose Hall Reservoir tomorrow, Saturday at two o'clock. They'll have expert anglers there. You don't need anything. You'll give a child a skill for life. Or if you're at any age and want to take up angling, fishing, you got to go to Rose Hall tomorrow. That's Rose Hall Reservoir on the old uh, Drogheda Dundalk Road uh, on the way out on the north side. It's not far out there from the Rose Hall roundabout on the right. Rose Hall Reservoir, 2 o'clock tomorrow. All the equipment is there. You don't need to bring anything with you. Just arrive there yourself with your children and you'll get an introduction to angling. Angling, course angling for beginners. Rose Hall Reservoir, 2pm tomorrow. Drogheda and District Anglers. Bring them along. You'll give them a skill for life. Final break of the afternoon. David Sheehan's on the way with sport. We're going to zip through the sport now with David Sheehan. Afternoon, David. Afternoon, Jerry. Camogie All-Ireland Intermediate Final Replay tomorrow in Clonus 1 o'clock Derry Mead a draw in Croke Park last Sunday can me do it this time David? Oh well they absolutely can um, whether they will or not is another story they 
you know, were seven points behind at halftime last week. Got the ideal start as well. Even when O got a point straight from the throw in, then they got the goal shortly afterwards. Then went 25 minutes the rest of the half without scoring and were 1 8 to 1 1 behind at halftime. It was looking. It was looking pretty blue at that point, but um, you know, I don't know what Brendan Skeen said at halftime or what the players said themselves. I know he said in his interview with Colm earlier today on the website that you know they addressed a couple of issues in the run into halftime, and then they kind of hit their stride a little bit in the second half, got into it bit by bit, got the goal that brought it back to three points. And it was a funny one because they actually would have felt a little bit disappointed to come away without having won it because they had some chances towards the end of the game, which uh, would have won it for them to free from Eve Minogue right at the death. Brendan actually thought it was over on commentary and I think a lot of people in the crowd did as well, but just went wide. So I think they'll certainly get it hard to put in as bad a first half performance as they did last week tomorrow. So I'd be fairly confident that they'll they'll put whatever they, they got wrong last week right. Now you could equally say Derry might sort out what they did wrong in the second half and, and learn from that. But I think Mead played well below their best uh, last week in that first half and left themselves a bit of a mountain to climb, but they did climb it. They got back level. They got a replay. So, yeah, I'm going to go with them to, to get the win tomorrow. The Royals will be celebrating come final whistle tomorrow. That match here on LMFM from Clonus, 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Now, soccer, League of Ireland, tonight, Dundalk, Sligo Rovers. The way Sligo are fixed at the minute, you'd have to say a home banker there. Well, there's never, there's never any such thing as a home banker in this league. It seems unless you're, unless you're maybe playing UCD or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I mean, Sligo, they're in a little bit of trouble towards the bottom of the table, but they've they've sold Max Mata, who was the top scorer for them and was was joint top scorer in the league until very recently. Uh, Luke McNicholas has now been linked with a move away, their goalkeeper. So they're not, you know, I can't see them being dragged into the bottom two, but they're in a very precarious position. And John Russell is under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, Dundalk were disappointed to drop points against Shelburne last week, having gone ahead and then conceded reasonably laid on again from Harry Wood, the fine goal from him who just came into the Shelburne squad from Hull. So uh, they'll be a little bit disappointed of not taking all three points there. And Stephen Dunn talked about 10 games to go, 10 huge matches and potentially a cup run as well. But look at Jerry, they're at home. They're against the Sligo side who are really struggling for confidence, who've lost their top scorer. It's a game Dundalk really should be looking to win. If they're looking through their last 10 fixtures and picking out games that they need to get points out of and three points out of, this is certainly one of those. So, yeah, I think that Dundalk will get the win in that one. Now, Drogheda wait till Sunday to play Derry on their way back. Fine result in Azerbaijan. Only lost 1-0. They're well in that tie next week. Long journey under the belt. Drogheda it will have it easier in terms of exertions. But come into this one after defeat Drogheda to Bowes last week. That's sending off. Don't get me started about that one. It changed the game against Bohemians. Well, it did, but you know they got back level with ten men um, with with fifteen minutes to go, and I can see the penalty straight afterwards. And I was chatting to Mark Rossiter after the game, who of course was synonymous with Bowes, and he was telling me how much he loves watching Drogheda. He really enjoys the way they play. He really enjoys the effort they put in, the, the style of play, everything about them. And and he's not wrong. Like they are great to watch, and they they go about their business in such a professional manner, given the resources that we know that they they have or don't have, you might say. But yeah, the sending off is a bit of a killer, but they they played so well in that second half with 10 men. They sat in for the first 15 minutes just to keep things tight. As the second half went on, they started to grow into it a little bit. Dale Rooney was causing problems down the left, as he always does. Got a fine equaliser, a really intricate move, but then unfortunately just gave away a really soft penalty, and that was really the, the kibosh on it, and James Clark came back to haunt his old side at the end. They got a win in Derry earlier in the season, as we know. Alicia Huey, who's gone now, uh, scored the goal that day. And, you know, they'll go up there with plenty of confidence. As you said, Derry coming off the back of a of a, a long trip in Europe during the week. So they'll be feeling their legs a little bit as well and maybe a, a little bit of tiredness. So I think Drogheda, as, as always, will go up there and give a good account of themselves. And, 
will be like you, Jerry. Jerry, you can never kind of say that they're going to get beaten because they always but they always put in you know with the exception of a couple of games this year Cork City at home was the one that sticks out to me they always put in a performance and they're always likely to get something out of a game if they can just get that goal and, and keep things tight at the back so I think if they came away from the, the Brandywell with a point they'd be pretty happy um, it, it all depends really on how Derry recover from that trip really mm-hmm. and how much emphasis they're putting on the second leg next week as well but Again, you know, I'd never really draw it out from getting something away from home. They've won up there already this season. Who knows, they might do it again. The greatest league in the world, if you believe the advertising, begins tonight with Burnley against Manchester City. And uh, then it uh, unfolds for the next, what, 40 weeks or so. Um, let's Before we talk about the individual games, give me your top four. Um, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, United. Ooh, my, oh, my. I'm writing these down because I'm going to keep these till the end of the of the journey. Arsenal, Chelsea, City, United. Okay. The- I, 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 I only, people will be probably wondering why I'm saying City. I think City are really going to miss Ilkay Gundogan this season, above all players. Um, and I don't know if the players they brought in are going to are going to really cover that gap. Now, they could still sign someone before the end of the window. They brought in Guardiola, centre-back, and Matteo Kovacic, who we all know from Chelsea. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it probably sounds like a, a silly, a silly punt at that's at this stage, but I just don't know. I, I think City might just suffer a little bit for losing from losing those players. But look, we wait and see. And I think Chelsea will be vastly improved under Pochettino as well. So yes, that's the reason for that. Uh, I'll go City, Arsenal, uh, United, Chelsea. So I'll I'll rejig that a little bit. That's mine. I'm putting my marker down there. The bottom three. Who's going to go down? Well. You know, Jerry Luton are known as the Hatters. They're going to have to pull an awful lot of rabbits out of an awful lot of hats to, to survive in the division this year. I think they're going to be rock bottom. I think Sheffield United, who've also come up, I think they'll go straight back down. After that, it's a real mix between you could you could mention Everton, you could mention Fulham, you could mention Nottingham Forest. I'm going to go for Wolverhampton Wanderers. The lower scorers in the division last year were 31 goals, and it was a fairly scratchy bottom half of the table last year. They've lost um, Jimenez, they've lost uh, Neves, Nathan Collins at the back is gone. He wasn't. He didn't really settle in that well there, but he's gone as well. But they've lost a couple of really good attacking players, 31 goals in the division last year. I think they're going to really struggle this year. They've lost their manager this week as well, even though they replaced him straight away. But I think it's going to be Luton, Sheffield United and Wolves to go down. I, I wouldn't uh, tend to disagree with you there. I'd definitely go Luton, Sheffield United. They, they have an awful job to, to stay up. They just haven't got the resources to stay there. Fulham, Wolves, yeah, 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 Fulham. I'll go Fulham. I'll just make it a little different and we'll we'll compare notes at the end of the season. Now, quickly, just win or loss in these games. Uh, who's going to win? Give us a prediction. Burnley, Man City tonight. Man City. Newcastle, Villa tomorrow. Now, here's two sides. Big expectations around both of them this year. In mm. Europe as well. It's an interesting game. I think it's the pick of the games of the weekend. Who's going to win it? Aston Villa. Oh, you're being bold. You're being bold today. I, I love about you. We have another man that joins us in sport from time to time when Dundalk are playing, especially Adrian Taft. Everything's a draw with Adrian or he sits on the fence. You go for it, David Sheen. We'll go for this one. Chelsea, Liverpool, Sunday. Chelsea. Chelsea to beat Liverpool. There mm. you are. I think Liverpool. Liverpool's midfield is a little bit sparse. Casado doesn't look like it's going to go to them. It's still mm. rumbling on that one, but it was, it, they agreed a fee. Liverpool with uh, Brighton, but it seems like he, yes. w- he would prefer to go to Chelsea himself. So I, I would be a little bit concerned about that Liverpool midfield. I think Chelsea uh, will uh, just about win that one. But you know, it's a it's a toss of a coin sometimes <laughs> for these games. David, thanks so much. Always love when you join us on Friday. Have a good sporting weekend. See you next week.
Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Our own David Sheehan there with his predictions for the sporting weekend. Thanks to all our guests who joined us uh, during the week. To you, our listeners who are with us every day, we love your company. And to Louise Walsh, my producer. Couldn't do it without Louise. Thanks a million, Louise. Thank you all for the week gone by. We'll be back, please God, on Monday from 1.30. Have a nice weekend. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. See you Monday. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.